It's more in the making the investor's life a lot easier and making this process easier as it relates to other groups that they would potentially invest in. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And we're doing follow along Friday. Got Theo Hicks with us like we usually do. First off, how you doing, Theo? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you doing today? I'm doing well and nice to do another follow-along Friday. Looking forward to it. We've got top questions that are asked by passive investors prior to investing in a deal. We're going to talk about that. This is part one because we're going to do multiple episodes on this topic. Then we've got a couple other things too. So let's go ahead and get rocking. So on this episode, we're going to go over five of the most common questions asked by passive investors. And these are the questions that they would ask prior to actually having a deal. So these are essentially them qualifying you and your team for verbally committing to invest in your deals. And so I'm going to ask the questions and Joe's going to provide an answer. And then we're going to have a little conversation around the purpose of the question, how you want to think about answering the question based off of your background, because most of these questions, since they are qualifying you, is going to be based off of your background. So if you're someone like Joe, you're going to answer the question a lot differently than if you're someone like me. <laughs> so let's just jump right into these questions. The first one I've got is, as you know, there are a number of apartment syndicators in the market. So why should I, as a passive investor, invest with your company over the other companies? I got that question recently on a new investor call. It's actually the last week, I believe. And it was midway through our conversation. We had yet to speak to a couple other groups. And I said that if they're value-add apartment investors, then the business model is similar, most likely. There's only so much new information or unique information or tactics that one group does over another group. And it probably not that great of a difference is my guess. Although I can only speak for myself because I'm only looking at the world through my eyes. So I haven't been in other people's shoes, literally. That being said, the way that I've been told from our investors that were differentiated, because I do have investors who invest or have invested with other groups, is through the transparency and consistency and thoroughness of our communication. So the one thing that I talk about is I proactively got a voicemail from an investor. I believe I mentioned this on a show a couple months ago. The voicemail was from an investor who's invested in multiple of our deals. And he said that he really is grateful for the way we communicate with him, 
because it's consistent. And not only that, but it's thorough. And then we're very responsive with change of payment accounts. If he has to change a payment account after we own the property, needs maybe switch bank accounts or whatever. And then also sending K-1s out on time. Mm. That tends to be a pain point for a lot of apartment syndication groups is getting the K-1s out in a timely manner so that their investors can file their taxes prior to April 15th. So it's not necessarily in the execution of the business plan as much, although certainly we have a phenomenal on-the-ground team and I put our operations up against anyone else's, but it's more in the making the investor's life a lot easier and making this process easier as it relates to other groups that they would potentially invest in. So one, I take the high road. I don't talk smack about anyone. I just simply talk about how the feedback that we've received from our investors and why they continue to invest with us. One other example is I have an investor who prior to investing with us was involved in a Ponzi scheme. Mm with a group that does apartment syndication out of California. And this investor ended up leading the charge and with the other limited partner investors and getting their money back from this venture that was a Ponzi scheme, according to him. He said he didn't get the legal costs back, but he got their initial investment dollars back. So clearly that investor prior to investing with us, after just having been involved in a Ponzi scheme, is going to have a lot of questions to qualify us and our operations. And I'm proud to say that now he proactively offered to be a reference for our company because he likes the way we are communicating with him on a monthly basis. He likes the transparency. We provide financials on a quarterly basis, and we're incredibly lightning quick responsive to our investors. So that's the way we differentiate ourselves from other groups. Yeah, and that last part, when you talked about how you had an investor who their last investment was in a Ponzi scheme, it sounds like for someone like that, you're going to communicate the transparency and the consistency and responses slightly differently than you would to someone else. And so it sounds like The main differentiator is this transparency and consistency. And then depending on the investor, you'll communicate that in different ways. I know a really good example would be an engineer is going to want transparency in regards to the details. And maybe a sales professional is going to want transparency in a different way. They just want to get updated, the high level updates on a frequent basis. So of course, you could mention both of those to them, but one's going to be more important than the other, depending on who your audience is. And I'm sure that's pretty consistent throughout most of these responses that there's going to be a general answer. But of course, if someone's situation is way different than all of your other investors, like they invested in a Ponzi scheme, then your conversation is going to be a lot different. Yep, absolutely. Ultimately, it's showing them your track record. Ideally, you have a document that shows the projected returns versus the actual returns across your entire portfolio. Having that And then saying, okay, so here's our track record, and this is how we execute. And that's kind of the tangible 
aspect of the business. And now the intangibles would be actually making your investment a breeze from an operation standpoint and also make sure that you're aware of everything that's going on as we execute the business plan. And that's where I would bring in the frequency of communication mm-hmm. and other anecdotal feedback from those two investors. Okay. So question number two is why should I invest in apartment syndications? Implying that why should I invest in apartment syndications over investing in my 401k stocks or in an IRA or maybe actively investing on my own? Why in particular should I invest in apartment syndications? Yeah, two separate questions. One is if they're considering investing in apartment syndications versus their own deals. And another question is why consider investing in apartments versus stocks or something else? The second question, the one you just asked. All right. Well, I'm not telling you what I would say right now. I'm just giving you some context. (laughs) If they've gotten to the point where they filled out a form for my website and I've sent them company information, and then on the call, they ask me, why should I invest in apartments? Then they're not ready to invest. So I just know, okay, long-term relationship as with everyone else, but they're not going to be a a near-term investor. So the answer to why should I invest in apartments, and I don't get this a lot, by the way. This question, sorry, this probably shouldn't have been in a batch of questions. We're a nation of renters, and renting will continue to grow until it's easier to get loans as homeowners, or there's some technology disruption or some other policy disruption that makes it a lot easier to buy a house or harder to rent. Maybe there's some change in policy or there's some technology. But other than that, we're a nation of renters, supplies down, population continues to increase, and investing in apartments, assuming they're value-add deals, you get cash flow, and then you get the upside as you increase the value of the property. Plus, we pass along the tax benefits to investors, and what that means in reality is that the depreciation will likely be greater than any distribution, which will likely show that on your K-1, which you'll receive at the end of the year, that you'll have a loss on paper, Uh even though in reality you'll be getting from us uh, monthly distributions, assuming that we're on track for the project. Okay. Question number three, kind of on that same note, but this person has actually decided to invest in apartments. They just want to know why they should invest in this particular business model. The question is, why did you decide to pursue this value-add business model? Because you can get cash flow on a consistent basis and then get upside whenever you realize the value from the renovations that you've done. But if you had to guess, what percentage of apartment indicators do you think are pursuing this value-add business model? I can tell you when I got started, I did not know about the value-add business model. And I was looking at apartments that were cash flowing and that we're just going to hold on to it long term. It wasn't something that I had been taught and it wasn't something that I had come across yet. So it's important to know the options and basically the three options are distressed, value add, light value add, and turnkey. We'll call it that. Certainly development would be major value add. The turnkey is what I was initially looking at, but thankfully I did not purchase anything until I came across the light value add, which is what we do. We buy stabilized properties. 
renovate the interiors, which increases the value. So my guess for the amount of people or percent of apartment syndicators who do heavy value add and light value add would be probably 80% is my guess. And then you've got probably 15% doing majorly distressed deals. Ah, okay. Maybe not. Maybe 30% doing majorly distressed deals, 65% doing what we do, medium to light value add, and then 5% doing turnkey because they have a big pocket investor who's just looking to beat inflation and they don't need to get those returns that the majority of us need to get in order for our deals to make sense. Another major benefit for value-add investing, and we kind of talked about this in the podcast where we talked about why you don't care about cap rates. As much. I do care about cap rates, but that's not the primary thing. And you mentioned how someone in New York who's a value-add investor can make a two-cap profitable by having the correct strategy. So another benefit of value-add is that it can be applied really anywhere in the country. And of course, you're going to have a specific market you're investing in, but and just pulling back a little bit and from our perspective, that's why I like it. Because for me, I got moved to Tampa. Of course, Tampa is a really good market. But if it wasn't, then would I throw my hands up in the air and be like, oh, I can't do this now. It's like, no, well, it's just value add. If someone could do it in New York City at two caps, then I could do it where I'm living too. Absolutely. Yep. You just got to know how to add the value in your unique market and with that type of property. Perfect. Question number four is, what's the worst case scenario? From a passive investor's point of view? Worst case is you can lose all your money. It's a risk to invest with us as with any other group or any other investment. You are at risk of your principal. But then on top of that, that's not even the worst case. The worst, worst case is that you lose your initial investment dollars. Then we do a capital call. You participate in the capital call. And then we lose that too. So not only is it your initial investment, but then it's additional dollars on top of whatever you put in during the capital call. My company's never done a capital call before and we don't plan on it. That would be a very bad situation, Mm -hmm. both for the deal and then also just for our reputation. But that is the worst case scenario and everything that all the risks are outlined in the private placement memorandum that you'll receive. And of course, the person's asking this question not because they want to know what's going to happen when the worst case scenario happens. They want to know what are the what are the risks involved that could potentially lead to that worst case scenario. So the last question would be, I want something that is low risk. So what are the major risk factors with investing in apartment syndications? Three, the deal, the market, and the team. Those are the three categories of risk factors and all of them will be outlined in the PPM, the private placement memorandum. But from a conversation, because clearly I won't have an exhaustive list in my head of all the risk factors, but from a conversation standpoint, something that could go wrong in the deal is we buy a deal based on the school district being very desirable, and then all of a sudden it gets rezoned. Mm -hmm. And now our property is no longer in that school district. That's one example. The market We buy in a market that is not as diversified as we need it to be. And then that one employer bounces, goes somewhere else. Well, that's going to be a problem. Third is the team. And we have a property management company and they don't do their job. Well, everyone can be spreadsheet millionaires 
but in reality, it takes a team on the ground to execute what is in the spreadsheet. And if you don't have a team on the ground to execute what's in the spreadsheet, then things aren't going to work out very well. So that would be an example of a risk for the team. And I think what's really great about talking about those three factors, the deal, the market, and the team, is that that could be talked about by a syndicator of really any experience level. So someone who's done upwards of 20 deals like, like you can talk about that, but then someone who's only done maybe one deal or trying to get their first deal done can also have that same conversation with their investors. Because one of the questions I was going to ask as a follow-up, not as a passive investor, but as someone who's aspiring syndicator is that for a lot of these questions, the answers involved talking about your company's track record, referencing case studies, referencing projections versus actuals, referencing past investors' testimonials with the type of experience they've had with their company. So if you're someone who doesn't have all that stuff, of course, you're going to want to answer these questions a lot differently. I'm assuming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, you're going to want to make sure you surround yourself with the right team, the right property management company, the right real estate broker, maybe a consultant or an owner, and then make sure you're bringing them up during these conversations. And one of the episodes that we did is how to show alignment of interests with your passive investors. And in that episode, we are essentially addressing a listener's question about how to get started in pharmacy education with no experience. And we go over extreme detail, five different ways to show alignment of interests with your passive investors with increasing levels of alignment of interests. And all of those involved leveraging the experience and credibility of various team members and having them participate in a deal in a certain way. So if you're listening to this and you're asking that question that I just asked, which is, well, okay, how do I answer these questions if I don't have any experience? The answer is alignment of interests. And we had a conversation about that in the podcast, how to show alignment of interest with passive investors. So that concludes part one of the answers to the most common questions from passive investors. Next week, we're going to go over five more questions and five more questions that we're going to answer in a similar fashion that we did today. So moving on, we had a listener it wasn't a question. It was more of a comment. It was from Richard. Richard is a psychologist who just started off in real estate investing. He recently purchased a duplex. And he mentioned that he is a frequent listener of the podcast. He's been listening to the daily episodes for the past few months. And he's listening to them while he drives. And during the episode, sometimes people will bring up a website or a book title or someone's name. And he likes to go back once he's out of his car and follow up to figure out what that website is. And he gave me an example in the email of he tried to figure out what someone said for a website and he couldn't understand what the person said. And so he asked us if we could do transcriptions. And at first he offered to do it himself, but then he realized that it'd be like $17,000 to do it himself. So being a very resourceful person, he said that he had an idea of creating a GoFundMe where people that are listeners could donate money to creating a transcription for the episodes. But we actually already have transcriptions, so we wanted to kind of mention that, that feature of the website on today's episode. Yeah, you go to bestevershow.com, and we do transcriptions. The thing is, they lag approximately 7 to 10 days from when the episode is aired. So if you go back 10 days, then you'll find transcriptions for all of the past episodes, and then if you've got an episode you want to see the transcription, then just wait 10 days, set your calendar reminder or something, and then go to bestevershow.com and you'll be able to see the transcription. So we've already got that incorporated. So thank you for offering to do the 
resourceful things that you offered to do, GoFundMe and pay and everything else. But we got you covered, buddy. So looking forward to you checking that out and hope that's a lot of value. Yep. And because we have so many different amazing resources on the website that sometimes people forget about them. So we're going to start bringing up Richard, for example, couldn't find our transcription. So on each episode moving forward, we're going to bring up some feature on the website that you might not have known about and how it will benefit you in your real estate business. So moving on to any updates or observations. From my perspective, I've got my three fourplexes. I haven't talked about them in a while because we've had a couple of vacancies and I didn't want to bring anything up until they were filled <laughs> and they're filled now. So how long were they vacant? The longest one was vacant for three weeks and we kept reducing the price until we found someone. And I mentioned this on a previous episode, but I found that we're demanding a higher rent if the people just stay and they accept the rent increase and then we do if they move out. Getting a higher rent if you have the current tenant stay and increase versus if someone leaves and you get a new person in? Yeah. So for example, we raised the one bedroom rents from around 580 or 600 and we raised them up to 685, I believe. Wow. Because they were so under rented. So I think two people of the six decided to move out and then four of them decided to stay and accept that rental increase. And of the two people that moved out, we got 650 and 625 for the new leases. Surprisingly, something else that came up that I didn't expect is that two people just decided to switch units. Like someone that was on a one bed went to a two bed, someone that was on a two bed went to the one bed, and they accepted the increases in rent. So all the vacancies are filled. Now we've got two units that we're still waiting to hear back on whether or not they're going to accept the increase or if they're going to decide to move out. But all the other 10 got a new leases on them for a year at either the new price or at least an increased price compared to what they were before. So it's good. Congrats on that. And surprisingly, this place was not in really good condition, but the terms were not as expensive as I thought that they were actually going to be. They weren't like a couple hundred bucks, but I was expecting a lot more to have to be done. How much were they? About a thousand bucks on average. Where'd the bulk of that cost go? Painting. How much did that cost? I can't remember. Between three and $500, I think, depending on the size of the unit. And then some of the units needed like a new appliance (laughs) because the appliances are really old and we put up new curtain rods in all the units. We replaced any of the, I guess, damaged or just say gross outlet covers. We put in new ceiling fans, which is a really inexpensive replacement, but it makes the units look a lot better. And the units that have hardwood floors, one unit in particular that had hardwood floors, we ended up refinishing those floors just because they were in such bad shape. But still, I don't think any of the terms were over two grand. And based on the rental increases, we'll get paid back. Just from the increase in rent. I'm talking about the cash, but just increase in rent within the year. So mm-hmm. it's exciting. It's good to see that those increase and it's good to see that bank account finally go up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any uh, update on the acquisition front? So we kind of pause buying personal properties like these fourplexes in Cincinnati for now, just because I'm actually focusing on apartment educations right now. I've actually got a meeting today with someone in Tampa who's done a couple of those that we might potentially uh, work with. So that's where we're at from the acquisition standpoint. We're pausing for the fourplexes, but we're pursuing the apartment syndications and the goal is to do one within a year. So like a 12 to 18 month period of building our team, finding capital, and then looking for deals and underwriting a bunch of deals. And ideally we'll have one under contract in 12 months. Awesome. And Ellie, your dog, is either in favor or opposed to it, but Ellie does have an opinion on what you're saying either way. I know that. 
Or she just hears the garbage man. <laughs> or she just hears the garbage man. That too. Do you have any updates? Yeah, real quick. We closed on a deal yesterday. It was part two of a two-part portfolio. So we're officially closed out of that project. And now the fun begins on the deal we closed on. We've already had started on the business plan of the other deal, part one of two, because we closed on that last month. So we will be moving forward on the execution of that. Our property management company is in the parking lot waiting for us to say we closed. That's the type of response rate and kind of takeover time that we have. And we also are closing on a deal at the end of July. So we'll be having a busy month this month, just focused on the execution of all of our properties, the business plan, and closing on the deal that we have later this month. Well, congratulations on that. It's exciting. And that's a lot of acquisitions in this like two, three month period. I think this is what this is the third or the fourth one. It's just how it shook out. One got delayed a month. The one that we closed on yesterday was delayed a little bit due to the seller's financing and a prepayment penalty. So mm-hmm. that's why I was delayed. But yeah, it's been a pretty active month. I'll have to ask this question if you don't want to, but the seller is going to be affected by a prepayment penalty. Do they attempt to build that into their price or is that just, they kind of have to bite the bullet and take that penalty in order to sell the property? Well, in this case, they didn't have to bite the bullet to sell it because we agreed to delay the closing. as an off-market deal and that was part of the negotiation. He, he said, yeah, everything looks good, but in order for it to make sense for me, we got to delay the closing until this point in time because that way my prepayment penalty will be lowered. Okay, cool. All right, so before we wrap the show up, I wanted to mention one thing that I, I'm not sure if I mentioned last week or not about the Passive Investor site that we launched. Actually, right before we went live last week, we launched it. And that's at besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's essentially the only comprehensive resource for passive investors who are interested in investing in apartment syndications. And if you read through it and have a question that you can't find on there or a comment about the page, you can email that to info at joefairless.com and we'll add that question as well as the answer to the website. So whether it's a question to ask about the team or if it's a definition that's missing, whatever it happens to be, email that to info at joefairless.com and we will add that to the site. Yeah, the questions we went over today, they're included on the website, except for, I think, why invest in apartments. But besides that, the other questions are included on the website. So it'd be helpful for not only passive investors to go check out besteverpassiveinvestor.com, but also active apartment owners who are looking to bring in investors and private capital. You'll be educated on all the different questions that you should be prepared to answer. And it's not only the question, but it's also our thoughts on the response that would be ideal. So it's a good learning exercise for active and passive investors. Besteverpassiveinvestor.com. I can tell you received a bunch of emails after we sent it out to our investors. And they said, wow, what a great resource. Detailed of the format. It's very helpful for passive investors. So I'm really glad that we launched this thing. Yeah, me too. All right. So uh, lastly, guys and girls who are listening, uh, nice please, work. <laughs> please, 
Please. You made uh, a note. You, I didn't, you, I didn't you, make a you note. You made a written down note. Kind of cheated a little bit. <laughs> but guys and girls listening to the podcast right now, make sure you guys subscribe on iTunes and leave a review for your opportunity to be the review of the week, which we'll read live on the podcast. This week, the review came from Triple A Invests, who said, Joe really digs into the most useful details. And the review says, I'm constantly impressed with the question Joe uses in these interviews. Joe is one of the best ever podcast hosts on the planet. No matter what your business, no matter what the business of the guests on the show, I always get something out of it because of the ingenious style of Joe's. I highly recommend the podcast to anyone involved in real estate investing. Keep them coming. I will keep them coming, and thank you for that. I'm grateful. The podcast helps me with my business. Let's put the cards on the table. Clearly, I get benefit from doing this podcast, but the best businesses are the ones that exponentially benefit the consumers much more than the creators of that. And I'm grateful that it's benefiting a whole lot of other people yourself included. And thank you for taking time to write the review. And for everyone else, like I've mentioned before, if you want to continue to have high quality guests on the show, then please leave a review. It helps whenever the guests we reach out to can go see the reviews that are written about the show. And that helps us attract high quality guests. So with that being said, thank you everyone for spending some time with us. Really enjoyed our conversation. Theo enjoyed our conversation today and we will talk to you tomorrow. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling. We do one a month. Then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. What is your return on life? Do you struggle with investing for a safe return? American Real Estate Investments specializes in passive income real estate investing through single-family rentals, private money lending, and international vacation rental properties. Visit them at AREIUSA.com. That's AREIUSA.com.